how do we know when to fight and if the fight is the right fight? This is Rabbi Yitzchak Price with another episode of Tachlis Talks, growth-oriented, partial-related Torah podcast. And before getting to this week's Parshas Korach podcast, a public service announcement, those of you who have been appreciating Tachlis Talks or any of the other media or programming of the Cincinnati Community Kollel, here's your chance. If you're hearing this message in June, uh, mid-June 9th, 10th, we are having our several-day online matching funds campaign. If you're hearing this any time of the year other than that, feel free to contribute as well. I'll tell you how. Jump onto the Chesed Fund, or just search the word Chesed, C-H-E-S-E-D, and C-C-K, Cincinnati Community Kollel. Go down to the Chesed Fund, or search Chesed and C-C-K, you should be able to find our campaign page. Whatever you're capable of, whatever you're interested in doing, can be listed as an honor of the podcast and a memory of somebody, in honor of a special occasion, or simply anonymous. Your choice of getting on board any other time of the year. You should still be able to link over there or reach out to me at, or actually, also, you can always go to uh, cincycolel.org, C I N C Y colel.org, or reach out to me at tachlisscoaching at gmail, and I can help. You figure out how to help us keep doing these podcasts and our other programming. Back to our previously scheduled program. We are in the Parsha of Korach, and Korach is synonymous with insurrection, with rebellion, with lack of regard for authority, challenge against authority, and dispute. So much so that when the Torah tells us, there shall not be like Korach, some of our sages understand that to me, the command, you shall not be like Korah. You shall not have a circumstance like this again of fighting this type of a fight. But does that mean we never take issue with something that we perceive as an injustice? Does that mean that we simply always tolerate what we understand as being inaccurate and just let it go? Clearly not. The Torah demands that we take issue with those things that are wrong. But step number one is to try to get grounded in analyzing what is right and wrong, to try to have familiarity with the text, with the sources, having ability to check in with leadership that can help guide us and find out what's the objective reality over here rather than my subjective take. So often we fight a battle thinking we are fighting the right battle and it simply is the wrong side of the battle once we have more information. Stunning how often people shift in their own lifetimes radically, one side of the political fence to the other. And again, rarely does this happen, uh, you know, at any like uh, specific juncture you can point to. But you look at a person and how differently they thought when they were in their teens as when they were in their thirties. How differently would they thought when they have a family than when they are empty nesters about different topics? And what is the right side of the equation on this topic? Well. Affects me differently at this stage. I think differently. That's what we call subjectivity. Is there an objective good that often needs somebody outside of the box with the vision and the understanding of the facts and the broad picture? So that's number one. Before getting involved and taking the side of the fight, are we willing to do the research and really determine not what do I think is best, what do I feel is best? Is there any way to know what is objectively best? What I'd like to look at today is another factor though. And that is, there really seems to be an issue that's important to get involved in 
do I get involved and getting involved for the right reasons? Because that's also a determination if I have the right to be fighting this particular fight. The, the Mishnah contrasts the fight of Korach, which is deemed as the fight that is the classic machlokas, the classic feud that is lacking in the kosher ingredient of L'shem Shamayim, of being for the sake of heaven. It contrasts that with the fight of Hillel and Shammai, where the disciples of Hillel and Shammai, where the feud is described as L'shem Shamayim, for the sake of heaven. But how do you know? And you can get involved in a fight that's L'shem Shamayim, for the sake of heaven, that's the kosher fight. The fight that's not for the sake of heaven, steer clear. How do I know? So the commentaries give different ways of evaluating. And I made reference last week to a work called Otsuos HaTorah. Those who have that set, he has actually multiple approaches uh, that he quotes over analyzing this topic. I'll reference two uh, that many may have seen in other contexts as well, but one is that of the Malbim. The Malbim has a very lengthy essay. Uh, Malbim, a famed commentator to Torah about uh, 200 years ago, he has a very lengthy essay on the issue of machlokas, the issue of the fight and evaluating the nature of the fight and is it the right fight and do I get involved in the fight? And he differentiates as follows. In the wording of the Mishnah, whether this is really meant to be the literal read of the Mishnah or not, that could be debated. But he says at least we could perceive in the wording of the Mishnah a hint that it describes the battle of Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai as the argument between those two camps. So Beis Shammai on their side of the fence and Beis Hillel on their side of the fence, they were each united internally. They each had love for each other internally. And there was an argument with the other team. But each team was coming to the argument with camaraderie, with connectivity, with appreciation for each other, and then arguing with the other camp. The fight between Korach and Moshe is not described as between Korach and Moses, but the fight of Korach v'adaso the fight of Korach and his cohorts. And as the Malbam explains, there is reference in this idea that the fight between Korach and the other side is also an internal fight. Korach and his cohorts could not get along with each other. And think about the Six-Day War, where you have Syria and Jordan and Egypt teamed up against Israel. Israel is the common target. That's who they view as the common enemy. But there's no great love between Syria and Jordan and Israel. Those who remember, I can't say I fully remember this, but those who remember being taught about it, that Egypt duped Jordan to get into the war, claiming that we're destroying the Israelis. Why don't you just come take your piece of the pie? Because they just needed to have somebody help deflect the, the, uh, the Israeli army. Egypt had, by that time, lost their entire air force. And they were simply using Jordan to try, this is not due to great love and friendship for, for Jordan that they were teaming up, but hey, here's our common target and let me use you to try to help focus on that target even though we have very different perspectives and no mutual love. Korach and his cohorts were not bonded out of love and appreciation for each other even when they were united against Moshe. They were coming from different perspectives, different vantage points. Each would have wanted to take the leadership if they could only get it away from Moshe. Would not have settled for somebody else, even within their team, to take that post. There was there were personal differences and distances between them. That's an indication that you are not aiming at Moshe because you truly have an issue with Moshe. Together with yourselves, 
this incredible love, and it's only with Moshe you have an issue. Look at yourselves. You don't have that love. You don't have appreciation and respect. You guys are basically just in the argumentative mode, and Moshe is your common current target. Eliminate that target, and you're going to have another target within your own ranks. You'll move somebody to the helm, and then the rest of you will fight with that. That's an indication that you are lacking in the L'shem Shemayim. There's something missing that would potentially give you room to believe you're fighting a kosher fight. The second approach, which is really an extension of this, an expansion, the Yaros Dvash of Jonas and Eipschitz describes that look at the camps of Hill and Shammai. The Talmud in Ivamos tells us that not only did the members of Hillel appreciate the rest of Hillel, not only did the members of Shammai respect the rest of the Shammai team, but they had a love and admiration for each other group. The Talmud says that the Academy of Hillel had a chiba vereus, an endearment and a sense of camaraderie and closeness with members of the Shammai camp. And the members of the Shammai camp had appreciation, endearment, love, respect for the members of the Hillel camp. And yes, there were points of argument. There were points of contention on issues that they that mattered to them and that were serious, that impacted Jewish law and Jewish life. And they couldn't simply say, you know what, we'll just yield to your opinion because we want to be nice. No, this is important to me. And I have to stand up for what I feel is right. But it doesn't reduce my respect for you. It doesn't reduce my love for you. It doesn't reduce my caring for you because you as the person, that's not the issue over here. It's not my personal sentiment versus yours. There's an issue that we have to battle because it's important to clarify. And I'm not going to just give in. But love, admiration, that's certainly possible. They say over that Rabbi Moshe Feinstein of blessed memory of the lead sages of the last generation. When he was asked why he refused to sit on a certain board where even the one who was asking him, this other rabbi asking him, recognized that this board represented elements that were contrary to Torah themes and, and to Torah development, and certainly could understand conceptually Rabbi Moshe Feinstein's disturbance, but he said to Rabbi Feinstein, look, externally, internally, I share my, my division, and I share my animosity towards them, I share my disgust with them, but externally, we need to show that we're all friends. And Moshe Feinstein responded, what do you mean? Internally, I love them. Externally, I need to show my frustration with what they are doing and challenging the future of Torah. Can we love the other side of the equation? If we can, then we may have license, again, assuming that we have that starting point, that we're anchored in knowing what's correct, and we have the objectivity, and we have the guidance, but then we can also be fighting it legitimately. If we can't have some sense of appreciation for who they are as people, if we can't respect them, then we've got to be more cautious. Now, again, there is some evil that will cross the line and has to be battled simply because it's evil, but an interpersonal issue in the community within our own social circles Unlikely that that's what we're dealing with. So when we have the disturbance, can we still have the love? Can we still have the care? Can we still have the sympathy for the other person, even if we need to stand opposed to something that they are currently developing, doing, producing for the community that we believe is somehow damaging? Pulling these together, certainly simply to tolerate something that is wrong, that is not the Torah system. To let it go and be dismissive and not stand up, that can be a great failure. And there are times that, that tolerance is simply apathy. That's not the kosher way to go. 
We need to, at times, stand up to say, you're crossing a line. There's some injustice over here. This is a cause we need to take up, take up arms, hopefully, by locking arms with our peers and showing a unified, loving approach as we take issue with that. But it should then be with that, with that issue, not with that person. And we should be facing the issue, addressing the issue, and not the person who's representing it. If so, then we have much greater reason to believe that we are fighting that right fight. And that that much more reason to believe that with God on our side, we can be successful in doing so. And ending, just a little reminder, anybody who wants to get online, whether at the Chesed Fund slash CCK, C-H-E-S-E-D, by the way, CCK, find us there. Throughout the year, always at cincicolo.org. And any issues, as always, send me messages at tachlesscoaching at gmail.com. And if we can become the type of people who stand up for that which is good by supporting that which is good, helping us continue to do these things, fighting that which is wrong, but fighting it the right way, then we'll be the type of people who are far more likely to achieve our tachlis.